Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 126 of Fun with Cars. For what are we going to call this? Some sort of preseason thingy. It's the 2013 preseason update. The 2013 preseason update. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau, and that, ladies and gentlemen, should give you some idea of how much preparation we've done for this show. Can you can it, you make the sound of a goose egg? It, no, it, it feels it feels good, though. We've got the headphones on again. I it's liberating. I haven't actually seen you in over a month since uh, since before all the holidays and everything, so it's, it's good to see you again. And, uh, as it is to see you. So, uh, as of today, the uh, Rolex 24-hour race at Daytona is going on. Ongoing yep. as we speak. So, we uh, we watched some of that, and uh, it's, it's, you know, there's a good probably, what, 18 hours to go or something. There's still plenty of time to uh, yeah, to more than that. Yeah, actually, probably still 20 hours. Um, so that'll be kind of fun. We'll be keeping an eye on that, but uh, that's not generally what the show is about. We wanted to give you a quick Formula One update, and also uh, just kind of uh, you know just get back in the saddle, man. Just do this thing. We got to get warmed up. So starting Monday next week is the weekend now to Saturday. Starting Monday will be the first of the new car announcements for 2013 F1 cars. Very exciting. So short of that, it's been um, very little interesting news. There's been a couple little... But uh, some things going on. A couple it's... of things confirmed. Some engineers moving, some drivers. Uh, HRT no longer exists. That's now official and I done. mean, that's not small. I, you know what I mean? That's a... It's a thing. It's a, 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 but there's not a compelling story. It's like they they wanted some money and they needed money to be able to run and, and they, they didn't, didn't have that it. money. So dun, dun, dun. we went. We now go. Yeah, we go from 24 cars on the grid to 22 for next year. This Which year. brings up some interesting questions. Um, among them being, you know, what's going on with budgeting and uh, the choices of which teams to bring in in 2010 when the option to bring in three new teams came up. Which choices were the good were the good ones and bad ones? Some interesting questions I think are worth um, bringing up there. Okay, let's bring them up then. So the HRT, I think, from all sort of external accounts, um, was not a brilliantly managed company. This was not the case where they were doing everything right and they were just struggling to to stay afloat in the you know the the, the rich man's game that is Formula One. I mean, their their decision to um, really commit to being a Spanish based team. Uh, sort of sounds really interesting, but there's there's a reason that uh, F1 teams aren't just scattered around across the globe. I mean, they're really Largely, all, yeah. you know, you know, England uh, to a lesser extent, Germany. I guess Sauber is based in, actually in Switzerland still, but um, you know, they really they don't deviate from that much, and it just makes sense. I mean, when you when you want to get fine talent and engineers and aerodynamicists and all the different people that it takes to run a team uh, beyond, of course, the drivers can sort of move around or live wherever. Um, it just there's it's such a specialized field that you either if you have a bajillion dollars and you can say okay you know if Red Bull tomorrow were to decide okay we want to be based in Austria or which is not really all that far from the rest of the world but they say okay we want to be based in Australia and any any of these engineers you know we can pay you all kinds of money for you know not only the engineer but their whole family and everybody to move around somewhere crazy then maybe they could accomplish that before a small team who can't afford to just buy out all these great talent then not they're just limiting the people that they can hire. Um, to either people that already live in, in somewhere in Spain, right. um, or if they can if they can convince anyone to move to Spain, uh, which may have some weather advantages. But then there's a the whole you know European financial nonsense, and of course Spain isn't uh, isn't brilliant in that. So there's sort of a number of factors, internal and external, that have led to that. And then for a, a short time, they were talking about getting a buyer. I think it was like through the month of November, starting the beginning. They said, "Oh, hey, we can get bought out, guys." And um, no one did, and it was by the by November 30th was the deadline to pay the entry fee for 2013. They didn't have it, they didn't do it, and since then the factory, I guess, has closed down, and uh, everyone's you know just 
it doesn't have a job anymore. I mean, it's it's just it's done. I wonder if they That's have it. any uh, racing seat fabricators that might be willing to work on the cheap. We could use that. That was, that was <laughs> the other part of our little weekend here. Was we actually working on our own endurance racing car, and uh, we I don't know if we could say we got farther along than we were at the beginning. We we know a little bit more about where we want to position our our race seat, but yes, that's uh, not a huge amount of progress. Some but things happen. Some are, things happen. That, but the other thing about the other thing about HRT was you know. It was originally set up by Adrian Campos. It was going to be Campos Meta, and that was sold off before anything even happened. Like it, it was kind of, it seemed like it was over leveraged right from the beginning, and people were in over their heads, and it was just been struggling to catch up this entire time. And you just, you know, if you're struggling to keep your head above water, and you're never getting to a point of sustainability, you know, that's what's going to happen. So, so even if even if there were a resource restriction agreement put in place. It's not a given that you know that would have been saved for HRT or would it have been worth saving? I mean, this this was the team that was way off the pace um, compared to the rest. I mean, Marusha did have some uh, some uh, some gains um, near the end with um, you know up towards Caterham and, and were ahead of Caterham in the, in the uh, championship for a little while. So you know th- th- they were sort of at the bottom end of the rest of the grid, and then there was this gap, and then there was HRT. I mean, that, they were just pace wise, money wise, and just the whole package of. Uh, of the cars and drivers, and, and you know they had good drivers in there too. I mean, these you know these guys is, that uh, they weren't slouches, and it's for, you know we have no reason to think that they were slouches in uh, in driving. I mean, Pedro de la Rosa obviously has turned some very fast laps and Pedro some very de la fast Rosa, cars. Pedro de la Rosa, you know, you know, Narine Carthacan, that's a little bit harder one to uh, justify as being a legit driver. He was paid in. He wasn't necessarily quite up to speed uh, compared to the other guys. Right, but. Um, the, it, and it, it is interesting because the, our other two teams, uh, the Virgin F1 team, now Ma Russia, and uh, Lotus, now Caterham, um, they seem to be humming along just fine, but they're not really making progress per se. So it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of years if those teams can ever move out and you know score a couple of points and get into these things. Yeah, I expected more from Caterham because they've got they are a customer of Red Bull's. Um, like transmission and curves technology. Right. And you think, okay, they use the Renault engines as part of that deal as opposed to the Cosworth. So basically like the, the powertrain is on par with, you know, should be basically this, basically the same stuff as the championship winning, triple championship winning, crazy, awesome sauce, Red Bull racing car. And Um, fourth and championship Renault team. Yeah. Um, although even I think does their own curs even I don't know if they're a customer of Red Bull like that but it's like exactly the same stuff yeah okay fair point fair and uh, and yet you know we were sort of man this is really probably going to be a big step forward for them maybe they can you know start being you know, plus they got the money for being 10th in the championship that they could use for 2012 there's right. some different things and you'd, you'd think there'd be some uh, some magic that would happen in there they'd be you know challenging the Mercedes and STR and Sauber like you know mid-pack stuff and no that just really didn't happen um, they, they've basically stayed where they are, and uh, you know that's it's disappointing uh, because it would, it's always cool to see a, t- a team get up there. But like you say, they've the the two the you know Marusha and uh, and Caterham have at least um, you know sort of kept with the rest of the pack. They've, they've been sort of at that same uh, you know same delta basically to the rest of the cars, but it's not gotten worse. And uh, every once in a while has these little moments where it could get better. I am surprised that we still haven't seen a single point. I mean, of course HRT now doesn't have a chance to, but. 
from any of any of Marusha or Caterham um, or, or ever HRT that in all the, the craziness with weather and, and a lot of attrition and some you know big crashes that have taken the people out. was still like 13th or something. Yeah, it wasn't even that It's like close. You, you would think uh, that that would be a chance uh, that somewhere in there it would just happen with safety car periods or something would weird. But, you know, they get a ninth or 10th or something and just have a point. And, uh, you know, between those three teams or now two teams, um, and, uh, and we still haven't had that, which is uh, a bit surprising, but... Right. Uh, so it goes. We were supposed to have 26 cars on the grid in 2010. We had 24. Um, now we're down to 22. Do you think they will open up to um, having new teams in again to get us up to 26 maybe? I don't. Um, and I've heard some interesting things back and forth about you know Bernie's thoughts on this. And uh, and I guess even there, now, there hasn't been any, any firm news, but there has been more, I guess, in the offseason, all these other little stories that are in the background normally sort of bubble up to the top about you know, of course, Bernie Ecclestone's been involved in this bribery uh, case with uh, Gerard Brabowski or whatever. The, the Questionable legal guy. tactics from Bernie? Yeah, could you imagine? For the Formula One registered trademark world championship registered trademark? Um, yeah, who knows? But um, Grand Prix So, yeah, maybe, maybe in the next few years it won't matter what Bernie thinks. But um, one thing I thought was interesting was the idea of having 11 teams when the top 10 uh, get paid um, is nice because then – that gives the 10th place team a reason to keep pushing to stay at being the 10th place team. Yeah. You know, if you are, I guess, the minority of the, of the field and you are number 10 and you're, you're going to be 10th, so you're going to get the same money, it would cost you so much more money to, to, to beat another team and become 9th. So you sort of just keep at this even keel, sort of like, well, we just kind of maintain the same pace and we don't really have to push forward that hard. Um, that's not arguably as good for the sport slash the show and whatever as, you know, now Cater and Marusha really both – are going to want it and one team is getting the benefit of the money and they can potentially make a step forward but uh you know this gives you know marusha stays really hungry and it keeps caterham on their toes right the way it is now and i think that makes a lot of sense um but then i've also seen in some stories where he says oh this is too many cars you know 10 teams is just is just the right number it's just you have 10 of them you know the and i guess you know the, all the all the uh, tracks now of course have garage facilities for enough cars that's not really an issue there but right just that uh you know, you don't have such a big speed differential. It doesn't, you know, I guess at, at some point if there were if there were 50 cars on track, it would sort of cheapen the sort of specialness of, of what F1 is and the crazy speed and, the you know, the lap times you're able to do and, you know, fewer, uh, you, know, you know. So I, I've seen that he both wants a hungry team um, and that, it, you know, that 10 teams is, is the right number. Um, I guess maybe in his mind it would be great if he could only pay the top nine teams and then the nine and ten would both be hungry. But uh, right. that would be, you know, that would be a, a, a bigger deal to uh, to get that pushed through. But what do you, what do you think on this? I don't know. I, I feel like uh, it'd be nice to have a bigger field again. It'd be nice to open that up. <clears throat> Excuse me. And get a get a chance for new teams to get in there. Because when uh, the 2010 season came around, there were what you know 13 to 15 teams that applied, and uh, only three got in. And uh, there was a lot of talk about some much more, um, much more. Um, farther along, more structured, more professional teams that were turned down. Yeah, like GP2 teams that had run successfully. I mean, even uh, Campos was a GP2 team, wasn't it, that became Campos Meta and whatever. Right. That That's was, right. uh, you know, the, that was a GP2 team that was working. USF1 was apparently a pipe dream, but, you know, never really quite existed. But that was a cool idea, and, you know, we all kind of wanted to drink that Kool-Aid. But, um, yeah, and then, uh, and then, and then uh, Virgin Pro was Drive. Just, yeah, was, was sort of... Uh, uh, you know, and then the, the whole Virgin deal was basically, well, Richard Branson's got billions of dollars and he wants to spend some of it, so he'll come up with something. And that was Virgin Racing, and that's, been, of course, now been kind of moved away. And you still see him around uh, as, as sort of partly involved, but now, you know, Marusha wants to have a presence. And uh, and there's, you know, the part of the story there as well, that now uh, Timo Glock is no longer a Formula One driver. 
Um, and then uh, he's got a DTM uh, deal with, B with uh, BMW. He's got a three-year deal in DTM, and that leaves um, uh, Marusha to, you know, they've got, uh, what, Charles Peake in the, in the one car? Or no, that, he's a caterer. Um, who's that, Marusha? Uh, Max Chilton, that's right. Um, so rookie driver in the one spot, and then it's an unknown who will be second driver, but um, Petrov's name has been, has been kicked around because uh, in not 2013, but next year, 2014, there will be a Russian Grand Prix that is now being talked about, and you know, the, the, the whole deal in Sochi there had to happen after the Olympics. Right. And if they have a Russian team in Marusha, which is arguably a Russian team, sort of, um, and a Russian <laughs> driver in, in Russia, then that's obviously a great deal for their whole exposure and their whole experience. So um, that, that's been talked about, and, uh, and, and Petrov now is not signed up anywhere else. So uh, that, is, that is something that may happen. Uh, another person that's been linked with that seat is Bruno Senna as well. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, do you want to talk driver changes while we're, while we're on the subject? Well, I mean, where are we here? Sure, why not? I mean, that, I was, my thought was, and we got off on our little tangent here, that we'd go um, top team to bottom team of 2012 and just go down the list. And then kind of dig through it that way. Okay. So uh, Red Bull, no change. Uh, Ferrari, no change. Um, McLaren, we usually say no change. Well, but Ferrari, uh, Pedro de la Rosa is now a test driver at Ferrari, um, which may or may not probably really mean anything. But okay, um, okay. You know, that that he found a job, and that's he good found for a him. Job. Very um, good. So that's good. Um, McLaren, uh, Lewis uh, Lewis Hamilton gone. Um, Pettis. He is in, and he is officially uh, part of the McLaren lineup. He's been doing McLaren media activities. He's been, you know, uh, visiting the uh, the factory and doing those type of things. And so far, they are very impressed with the way he wears a McLaren shirt, which you know that's yeah. good. They're happy with his attitude and everything like Again, that. Again, slow but... slow news months in F1, so these kind of stories uh, these sort of, sort of stories come up. But yeah, we have seen now pictures of Checo in uh, in the McLaren gear, and that's all very exciting. Um, and I guess as we're talking about this, you know, a, a lot of these cars over the next two weeks, I mean, you know, maybe by the time you're hearing this, some of these cars will be, will be released. But, uh, as, as of this recording, we have not seen any 2013 cars yet. We've just seen some of these little media things that they're doing, a couple of pictures of seat fittings and those sort of deals. But, but that's about it. But anyway. Right. Um, and where are we? Lotus, no change. Uh, that's... Yeah, which is, you know, Romain Grosjean. There was, I think, some question. Yes. Um, and, of course, he had the he had the one-race suspension. He came back a stronger man, and he sat out. You know, he sort of, uh, you know, didn't get to go to recess and had to think about what he what he had done while uh, he got to watch the other kids play. Um, I mean, it was definitely a, a, a up-and-down season for, for Grosjean, but I don't think... Um, I don't know if, if it was really a realistic option to say, well, we gotta we got to fire this guy and, and get a new one. Um, because, you know, Grosjean has had a very good career outside of this, uh, outside of F1, and, and had some, you know, some really good moments uh, in F1 this, this past year. So would they be better off hiring, you know, uh, Bruno Senna or somebody, you know, Jaime uh, Algashwari, you know, one of these other guys that's sort of uh, just recently retired or whatever? I'm not sure that they would. I mean, I, th I feel like that's probably a, a fairly strong uh, situation. And, of course, if I guess if Romain does something terribly wrong partway through the year, they can uh, they can figure something out. But... Um, it's really just, you know, who's our second guy to support Kimi Raikkonen? Who can we, uh, you know, hire that'll have the right, uh, the right balance of, you know, feedback and pace and whatever? And I don't, I don't feel like they, you know, I don't say they can, that's a bad call to, uh, to keep Grosjean. Right, right. And I agree with that. I think Romain is a driver that still definitely has some things to sort out. He's not a complete package yet, but he's definitely shown speed. He's definitely shown promise. And you just think his package is. A little bit incomplete. He needs to complete his package. Okay. No, but honestly, I mean, okay, 
yeah, that's a, a trite way to say it, but he still had a little he had a little bit of trouble with the starts. I genuinely think that whole thing was overblown. And the I know the spot crash. The, well, just all of it, right? Because there was the incident in Japan and a couple other things, and the other drivers kind of, you know, turned it in, turned him into a pariah a little bit. And I, I, I think it was a little bit unjustified. And the spot crash, definitely not good. No one's denying that, but I still don't think that was entirely. Anyway, um, he had some really strong performances in um, the uh, well, what's the really boring one on the port of Spain. Uh, Valencia? Valencia, yes. He was... Uh, <laughs> it wasn't boring last year. It wasn't boring last year, that's true. Anyway, so yeah, I think it's good to give him another year. Now, this year, he's got a lot... I mean, this this has to be kind of a put-up-or-shut-up year, I think. Yeah, well, we had... you know, because Especially because we had uh, one victory for the Lotus this year. And, of course, that was because, you know, uh, Hamilton's car uh, retired. And, of course, Vettel had this... You know, the qualified... You know, had to start last and whatever. There was a couple of mitigating things. But... You know, there was a victory for the Lotus. So now I think that ups the expectation on that team that not only just, okay, we want to finish in the top five in the championship. Okay, well, whatever, you know, but, okay, we had a win in 2012. How can we build on that? And, okay, let's look more at championship position. Let's look at multiple wins. Let's look at a, you know, multiple podium kind of, uh, you know, if we can get a, not maybe not a 1-2, but a 1-3, 2-3, something, you know, but, like, really maximize points and really start to be among the uh, – uh, you know, a, a solid number three, which would mean being faster than than either, yeah, McLaren or Ferrari or, or Red Bull. Um, so, you know, something like that is that the expectations are higher. And, of course, I, I feel like this is sort of the, uh, the the talking to after 2012 of like, okay, buddy, we're giving you your another chance, but do this. Like, no more screwing around. You got to make this happen. So hopefully it all goes well and uh, we can see a lot out of both, uh, both Kimi and Romain Grosjean. Uh, absolutely. And uh, next on the list is Mercedes. And uh, clearly, the big news here is that... Uh, Brendan Hartley is their test driver, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Australian Brendan Hartley. Exactly, because he's going to have a funny accent. It's like English, but it's not quite like English. It's a little different. It's it's just all weird. Um, um, no, I, so uh, Michael Schumacher has retired, I think for real this time. And, uh, oh, it's, it's, it's for real. And, <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton is in, so... How that's going to go, what's going to play. I mean, that's, you know, people are saying, oh, he's not going to be able to win in 2013. And then other people say, oh, yo, yes, he will. He'll be competitive. Uh, Fernando Alonso still said that Lewis Hamilton is still the one he thinks is his biggest competitor for the championship next year. I mean, so there's this huge gap between most competitive, least competitive opinions on where he'll end up. It'll be very fascinating to see. Obviously, it depends on how competitive the car is. And uh, then how well uh, Hamilton can do in relation to Rosberg. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, too, as more has come out. So also uh, with Mercedes is uh, Toto Wolff moved over. He was executive director of Williams, and now he is um, he's, he's a shareholder and um, executive director, I guess the same title, at Mercedes. So Toto Wolff now um, sort of, you know, engineer, you know, genius wonder kid, whatever, um, is, is – not kid, I mean, whatever, is man. But uh, – He's overseeing all of Mercedes motorsport stuff. So his main focus will be F1. He'll be covering GTM, all these kind of things. Uh, so Nick Fry is still CEO of Mercedes, uh, AMG, Patronus, whatever. But uh, um, but they're sort of wondering about that. And for now, and, and Ross Braun is also there um, as, as technical director and still kind of chief engineer. But um, there is some question about kind of who's going to go where or kind of who's going to follow whom. 
um, if uh, that may shake out in a little bit more. So um, there has been that big shift um, in terms of the uh, in terms of management, and uh, so he's now a shareholder. And also, sort of strangely, uh, Nikki Lauda is also now a major shareholder in the right. team. Right, right, um, which he is was fascinating. Sort of a you know brand ambassador kind of they paid him a bunch of money to wear mercedes shirts i guess and he showed up in commercials sometimes but like now he's a proper shareholder of the team and this can be i think can be read a couple of different ways um in a way this may structure it a little bit easier that if if this season doesn't go well or even maybe the next two seasons don't go well after the new engines and all that this could be a more graceful way for uh, mercedes globally and daimler to back out of it if they say okay now it's sort of in the hands of more racers and it's you know now this could be sort of the you know Wolf Grand Prix or right, you know, Lauda, right. blah 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 something other reincarnated and it could be sort of the, a, a way to, to I mean to, to sort of if if the time goes well of course it's still called Mercedes they can take credit for it but if the team doesn't it could be sort of some internal structuring um, to uh, to help change that around but you kind of wonder you know there's so much more that goes on that we don't know about behind these negotiations when it was between what's Schumacher going to do and what's Lewis going to do and all these these things you know. These uh, these other management shifts may have been decided behind the scenes, and they may have known about that, and all these things that are completely uh, opaque to us as as fans and as viewers. Uh, so there could be more to it than we think. So I think Mercedes could be um, in for a bigger shakeup. I'd probably not for this year. I mean, you know, joining on the team in January is going to have nothing to do with a car that's launched it launched you know the first of February. Uh, but in terms of how the how the team is run, and certainly how the 2014 program comes together, when it's a massive rule change, massive engine whole package, and all these things, and as we talked about, you know, as a, a team with the you know deep pockets, I mean, a global automaker with uh, all kinds of resources that could be in a really good spot. So if if Lewis gets you know Lewis's feedback and everything gets put into the car, they they figure out what, you know what makes Lewis happy as a, as a driver and develop that into the 2014 car, which then has a really good powertrain is the, and, is the, right. and is the you know principal car. Like Mercedes 2014 could actually be a pretty impressive thing. Could be. Could be. Or a Lauda Grand Prix or whatever the heck it's called at that point. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, it's very fascinating, this Mercedes saga and how they – because they definitely don't seem to be shy about throwing money at the situation, you know, um, buying talent and all these things. And um, to see if it comes good for them or not, it, it'll be very interesting because – the thing that about it is they had and in many ways still have now a great association with being win- with winning in Formula 1 through McLaren. Mm-hmm. So was this the right decision to go through all this effort, all these things you described, these big commitments to maybe bow out gracefully and all these things or maybe take credit if all these things happen and hiring um you know uh, Nicky Lauda and Lewis Hamilton and all these things. It's like you had McLaren Everyone called it and still calls it McLaren Mercedes. They associated everything with McLaren yeah, with the Mercedes. But now that McLaren is doing their own road cars and their own engines, then I think that may be the shift. And I guess the other thing we didn't mention, I mean, it's, with Toto Wolff, is he's essentially replacing Norbert Haug. I mean, Haug is out. The, Nor- the Norbert man is, uh, is no longer the guy. So uh. um, whether that's as... Hey, dude, you, this team sucked, and you know you guys, you're out, you're fired because of that. Or if you know the program overall, like you said, I mean, we we have results with McLaren, but I think the longer term deal is, uh, or the sort of longer term outlook is, uh, you know, as a car maker, they want you know the car to be Mercedes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it could make sense as an engine constructor and just say, hey, we just supply engines, and uh, maybe uh, yeah, McLaren Mercedes or a Force India Mercedes or whatever um, could could win, but. Um, if they really want to focus on, you know, as a car, you know, as a car company and what they want to sell, it's not as an engine company like that, you know, it may just be, I mean, you just don't get the same amount of glory like an indie, in an indie car 
you don't really, man, that Chevrolet was just awesome today. Or, oh, you know, that Honda was great. It's just, it just really doesn't, doesn't matter nearly as much. I mean, yes, of course, the team name McLaren Mercedes, but I don't think, uh, you know, there's nearly as many Renault fans as there are Red Bull fans when it comes to what they think about, you know, the name of the car and the way it's marketed and the way the things are. I guess Infinity is what they have on the car branding anyway. It's not like, oh, man, Red, you know, Sebastian Vettel really drives the heck out of that Infinity. That's, that's, a, great, <laughs> that's a great thing. That Infinity Renault is just awesome. It's like it's just not the same. And uh, obviously these guys, uh, these guys would know that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, should we, uh, should we move on? Yes. All right. I forget who's next in the championship. Uh, Sauber. Yeah, uh, this is a weird one. Yeah, interesting one. Uh, we, so we've got, uh, Nico Hulkenberg in that seat from Force India, whom, um, most would argue is a lateral move at best. However, again, like, things, as things shaking out, maybe this is turning into a slightly better move than uh, we might have originally in anticipated. Yeah, so of course last year was Kamui Kobayashi, who is now without a drive. There was a short-lived but but very sort of uh, active uh, effort that came up for, where he had like, almost like, fans, a, yes. like a Kickstarter thing to sort of, hey, pledge to save Kamui's race seat, and if we can find, you know, if everybody pitches in a dollar and 20 million people sign up, then, you know, it was kind of a, like, we just want to see Kamui, what a, what a good guy, what a you know, nice guy, whatever, but that didn't work. Um, so Kamui Kobayashi is out for 2013, and uh, yeah, so now it, it's uh, Nico Hulkenberg coming from Force India. Force India is another interesting story, and we'll talk about them when we get there. But uh, uh, Next. Yeah, um, so well, let's lump these together, because it's... That's, that's, ooh, ooh, lumps. I yes. like lumps. So, so as of 2012, as, as you list them, Sauber did, did end up... Uh, one place above Force India. Correct. Um, but those two throughout the year, um, it's really this back and forth, and it's sort of, you know, a, a, could be could be very close one way or the other. If, and towards the end of the year, the Force India certainly seemed quicker than the Sauber. Right. So you could take any sort of series of multiple races and find, a you know, a, a, an advantage one way or the other. So, yeah, Hulkenberg moving from Force India um, is partly interesting in that um, you'd think uh, – well, you think, you know, I guess when, when McLaren was looking for a replacement for Hamilton, um, you would think maybe DiResta from Force India. Um, you know, he had that, that tie-in with, uh, with McLaren and so on. But um, my understanding on that is that uh, his, his management is the same as Jensen Button's. And for the team, they wouldn't want to uh, give, you know, sort of one guy slash one company that much power over kind of what their drivers can do in terms of sponsorships and making contracts and making deals. Because if, 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 you know, if you have one guy that kind of has a monopoly and the entirety of your two-man driving staff... That could be an issue. So I can't imagine that's an insurmountable problem. I mean, I figure if, if, you know, McLaren comes to me and says, we want to give you a drive, but we need you to have a different manager. I manage it or some kind of deal. Like, you could you could figure something out. So there's maybe more to it than that. But, yeah, uh, so Hulkenberg, in, you know, in terms of 2012 standings, going from uh, Force India to Sauber is a step up. But overall, it's, it's kind of questionable. But um, Force India has not announced any drivers. They're going to be the last to introduce their new car. They may not even make it to this first test. And there, I mean, there's been questions about finance and stuff for a long time. I mean, especially above the Indian Grand Prix, uh, ahead of the Indian Grand Prix, um, you know, because uh, all the, you know, Vijay Malia's airlines have like been in and out of bankruptcy and they've owed a bunch of money and their planes have been grounded and there's a bunch of issues. And then the Sahara guys bought in and it became Sahara Force India. But even those guys apparently are in some financial issues. So I think, uh, I mean, in some circles that they're questioning, like if, Force India is actually going to exist. I mean, it is a bit weird that 
every other team um, has announced at least one of their drivers, and there's some sort of you know likely kind of number right. twos. Right. And these guys are like, nope, we don't know nothing. We're not announcing anything until after you know until way late. I think it's just going to come down to who is going to be really desperate and can come up with you know millions and millions and millions of dollars to be able to to let this team run. And if maybe Hulkenberg sort of saw that that was what was going on, the way the team was being run and the way budgets were and so on throughout the year and thought, you know what, Sauber at least is a better place to, to have my career and keep moving forward rather than, you know, simply just be, you know, be the guy keeping the lights on at the factory. Um, so maybe longer term, the Sauber deal may make more sense. And, uh, and of course, you know, in a couple of years time, who knows, right, where that could go. Right. But second place uh, or uh, second spot at uh, at Sauber is Esteban Gutierrez. Uh, so we've got a second Mexican in the in the field for uh, for 2013, and that also has tied into uh, a lot of talk about the Mexican Grand Prix coming back and uh, a bunch of and I guess there's uh, some deal has been struck, but it's still early days for a bunch of renovations at Autódromo Hermanos Rodríguez in Mexico City. Um, which is is that the same racetrack that IndyCar you, uh, at Champ Car used to race? Yeah, where it, at the time it went through a baseball stadium yes. in the middle, and, and I don't th- I think they've covered over that part now. It just does the oval around it, but yeah, it's an oval that goes around. It's like a whole sports complex. Is that the same place that you've gone to when you've done those cool Mexican trips? The, the Porsche driving schools, yes. So I've been there. I've driven the track in Porsche, and uh, and it's it's kind of a weird. I mean, it's super super long front straight because uh, there's a little oval section that goes into like around a, a basketball park. Um, or I guess it's a football field, mostly or soccer field, like we'd call it here. Um, what is it? Jim? Most of the time, you're 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 waffling here. Well, it's a field, and they can play all manner of different sports. It's a it. sports field. It's a sports field. All right, wonderful. Um, and so there's an oval. So and I, they do run the uh, like NASCAR Corona series, the Mexican uh, stock cars. They run that on the oval, and then but also there's a super long front straight, and uh, you know it's like 140, 150 miles an hour in some 911s, uh, which so in an F1 car that'd be you know super Quicker. fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> into into a a, a, a you know, a little bit of a back straight, but then this super, super tight, twisty section. Um, they call it like the snake or whatever, the serpent, um, where it's just like, y- you know, really like, I don't know about first gear, but just super, super tight, twisty, really kind of annoying corners, not flowing really. And then they sort of go, it's sort of this left, right, left, right, left, right into it, it kind of opens up and gets faster and faster. So I guess it's technical and tricky, but uh, I don't yeah, feel I like, part, I don't I feel like it would be exciting because it's just sort of like, it's like it's like the little extra twisty bits at Bahrain. It's like this is the part of the track that we just have to drive through every time, and it sucks. And then we get back to the fun parts. Like so, <laughs> I don't know how much reworking they'll be doing if they'll actually sort of reprofile some of that because there's not any good like high speed corners. It's all either super long straight into a couple. I guess like like the the Perotala, the uh, the oval parts is. Um, I guess that's a fast corner, but I don't know. The track doesn't seem brilliant. F1 I, in this age, F1 there just kind of seems weird. But what's cool about it is that it's right. I mean, that hasn't stopped F1 in the past. Right. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean after, like, like after our, our last experience at Austin, you know, it's like, this is a really cool track. This is the first year. No one knew anything about it. It was really slippery. But, like, it just came out really cool. You know, the, the result was nice. Um, you know, the, I guess the good news slash potentially bad news with, uh, with the Autodromo in Mexico is it is right downtown. I mean, when it is not a racetrack, it is a park, and there are just all manner of people walking and biking and everything ah, on the park. really? Okay. And it is just, you know, you go... You know, just across. So um, when you do your Porsche, when you do your Porsche track day things there, what, what do they do? They there clo- is a, there is a van with loudspeakers on the top that runs around the track, and you have to hire that if you if you rent the track. You have, <laughs> I love this already. You, you rent it from like the city of Mexico, <laughs> okay. and, and you also have to pay a guy with a van slash a company of guys with vans to go around with a loudspeaker, basically saying in Spanish like, "Get off the track! It's closing in ten minutes!" And then like keep driving around the track until everyone has actually left the park. 
and then you can drive your Porsches at 140 miles an hour with, wow. with no helmets. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's Mexico. It's all a little bit different. And so to see from that to, like, FIA class one certified safety blah blah blah. There's a there's a bit of a there's a bit of work to be done. Yeah. 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 But they do it in there's, Canada, do they not? I mean, they, that's a public park when it's not a racetrack. Right. Um, but it's that's on an island, True. so they can control access a lot more, I think. And there's a subway top there. So they and, build a fence. I mean, there's fences. <laughs> there are, but what am I missing here? But it is quite literally like the other side of a chain link fence is like a major city street, and there's there's you know buildings and, and and businesses and people and you know all manner of traffic and whatever. So it's like you know the logistics of getting to and from that event and how much they can do for runoff and all that is very very limited. So anyway, I'm curious if that deal actually works. I mean, there are other tracks in Mexico and some other really nice ones, um, right? You know, outside Mexico City in different areas. But if the point is to really you know, make it a, tr- a, a you know something that all the fans can get to, and doesn't have to be just uh, you know super fancy or whole big shuttle bus arrangement. It's like, hey, anyone can get there. There's tube stations or metro, whatever they have, uh, train stations there. You can get there and uh, and make it cool. Maybe it'll be fun. But anyway, now that they're Esteban Gutierrez drives for Sauber is the bottom line, and of course Checo Perez at uh, at McLaren. Um, there's a lot of lot of interest in F1, both uh, with from Telmex backing, yeah. Carlos Slim, wealthiest man in the world, Telmex backing. Um, who's putting a lot of money into uh, his love for Formula One and his belief in these guys. And uh be very fascinating to see this. You know, I'm extremely fascinated to see how Sergio works out at McLaren to see if that really bears fruit. And uh, Esteban Gutierrez getting in there, that's just, you know, that's just icing on the cake, really, as far as I see it. But to have two Mexican drivers. Icing know, on the flan, if you icing will. Icing on the flan. I like it. Um, moving on, Force India, as you mentioned, um, oh, we did kind of go over this. Both teams, uh, both drivers being TBA, which, you know, begs the question, well, what's going on with Paul Deresta? Because he went, he went from thinking that he should be, be the one in the McLaren seat to at least being the one in the Sauber seat to maybe not having a ride at all. Yeah, and there's not a lot of other uh, vacancies on the whole lineup. I mean, we'll talk about it when we get there, but there's really only two other open spots as it sits right now. So Deresta yes. may have gotten hosed in this whole thing. Or we might see him at Caterham. Who knows? Um, so, yeah. STR, I guess. We're, no, Williams. Williams. Um, keeping Pastor Maldonado. You cannot deny the amount of money he's bringing. He <laughs> you is... cannot deny the zeros behind the dollar signs. <laughs> but it, but it, honestly, I overall, there's definitely some issues. There's definitely some rough spots. He, but he is fast, and he is fun to watch. I'm glad he's still in Formula yeah, 1. Yeah, and I think... And he delivered Williams a win. Right. Williams won last year because of him. Yeah, he, he was able to deliver more to Williams than Rubens Barrichello, the most experienced man in Formula 1. I mean, yeah. And Bruno Senna. Yeah. Um, so, it's sort of the same, like we talked about with uh, Romain Grosjean. It's like, Yes, there's some issues, but who are they going to find that's better? And it's it's still early days for Pastor. So anyway, good for him. Um, Pastor Maldonado will be sort of the lead driver there now if there was a question about that before. But they are bringing in another one of the new rookies, Valtteri Bottas. Uh, another Finn. Another Finn, man. So it's uh, Kimi Räikkönen. He'll have someone to speak to in his native tongue if he speaks ever. So that – so that. <laughs> if he speaks ever. And that also keeps the um, number of Finnish drivers equal – uh, assuming Heki Kovalainen does not get the Caterham seat, apparently is still in the running for it, although I imagine that's an outside chance. Um, that would keep us at two finished drivers, if I'm doing my math correctly. Yeah. Um, um, so now for... STR. Uh, well, Botas uh, oh, still did, Botas. did yes. uh, some... He was, pract- he was a 
was it reserve driver? That's the one. Yes, for, that's the word. Uh, for last year for Williams. Um, he won GP3 series in 2011 uh, with the Lotus at that time. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, we don't know a whole lot about him yet, but um, he'll be he'll be fun to watch, and you know, he's he's hopefully on the way up. And STR is uh, keeping everything the same. They yeah. said Daniel Ricciardo held his own, no problem, and so did Jean Verne, for that matter. Yeah, I, th- I feel like they're either gonna you know fire everyone or fire no one. So they're like, we're gonna keep this two team pair, and then maybe next year we'll totally fire them and get two new guys. Well, here's the big question. I mean, or it, not is I think Ricardo did the better of the two. He also had a half a season on his belt uh, more than Vern, so it was a little bit of an uneven match. But are one of those two guys going to be replacing Mark Webber next year? Or or are the rumors true, and are one of those two drivers going to be replacing Sebastian Vettel next year because he's on his way to Ferrari? No, he's not. No, I don't think so. Well, maybe. <laughs> well, well, we'll talk about that when we get there. I don't, um, I, yeah, mm. It's hard to say, right? You it, can't really... It is, because but that was sort of the thought with... That's the whole purpose of Bwemi that team. Wemi and Algoshwari, and look where they are now, where uh, Wemi is a test driver for Red Bull. And Algoshwari is still the Pirelli. And is DJing or something. Yeah, I think, Lucas Degrassi all do the Pirelli stuff? or is, Does Algoshwari actually have an official job? I was looking through the news, and it said that Algoshwari... Because there was talk of um, Kamui Kobayashi maybe being the Pirelli test driver, and they said, no, 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 it's still Algoshwari. Huh. Yeah. Well, there you go. Not Degrassi, so... We clearly know exactly what we're talking about. Exactly. So, but for next year, STR is the same as it ever was. Ferrari Power and uh, Ricardo and Vern. Which brings us to Caterham, the one we've been talking about. One open seat, which um, we which, see... Wait, what's the team called again? Caterham. Ooh, is that how you say it? Really? Caterham. Mm, okay. What do you say, Caterham? You're going you're gonna to go with Caterham? Caterham. Okay. We've had some feedback on that, buddy, but, you know... You just, you just go with what feels right to you. I, I think I think I'm going to stick with Cater Hams. That's that's terrible. Um, Charles Peak. Yes, and uh, we don't know who else. Well, we do not. Although uh, there are three uh, drivers in the hunt that I saw, and I think we've mentioned them all: uh, Bruno Senna, Heki Kovalainen, and Vitaly Petrov. Yeah. Uh, so uh, of course it was Kovalainen and Petrov last last year. Um, I think they're if if they're looking for money, uh, you know, I don't think they'll be able to buy Kovalainen back again. Maybe they'll determine it's worth it, but likely not. I, um, well, I don't know if Kovalainen is saying, oh, wait, maybe I don't need a lot of money. Yeah. You know what I mean? One never knows. That would be, that would be tough, though, for Kovalainen. That it's like had this sort of career landslide in terms of him. Mean, he was a McLaren. He was a Renault. I mean, he's had like these. I, yeah, but I, I, I get that totally. And maybe he had a tough go. Maybe it wasn't entirely fair. You know, life's not fair, et cetera, et cetera. But he had those opportunities. Yeah. And, you know. They right. are what they are. But he was, in general, quicker on that team than other people. Yeah. So that may come down to money. That I, I, I expect, you know, yeah, we'd see um, Petrov more likely at Marusha than Caterham, but who knows. And I mean, of, hmm. of those three, Kovalainen is probably the fastest. Right. Senna, Kovalainen, and Petrov. Yeah. Yeah, Senna really really didn't impress us terribly much. No. Nope. Uh, so, but anyway, we don't know who the, who the number who second place is, um, and I mean, could that be Deresta? I mean, if they if they work out some deal there, who knows? I mean, that's that's a possibility, right? Um, but uh, yeah, for the moment, that's uh, yeah, no test driver and uh, just Charles Peak as race driver, um, who is of course moving from he was uh, Marusha last year. So now we are guests at, at the new bottom of the pack with the exit of HRT Marusha with Max Chilton. Yeah, Tom's brother. Which, not the greatest. We're not liking the look. 
if we can be fashionistas for a moment here. <laughs> yeah, in terms of uh, yeah, fashion critics slash, you know, what that pose, the Wikipedia picture. Just, we can put our People magazine hat on just, for a moment. It just looks a little too, I don't know, if, 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 if douchebag Max is the word. Chilton, fun with cars. Who are you wearing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why are you wearing it like that? Um, yeah, so uh, he was in, you know, Formula 3, GP2, uh, and so on. But, I mean, GP2 2010 became third in the championship. Uh, or, sorry, came 24th in championship with three points. Um, 2011 was 20th. 2012, with the Marusha Carlin GP2 team, uh, was fourth. And that's it. Like, you know, it's. Uh, yeah. He's, he ran in GP2 Asia and came 18th and 22nd. There's not a lot of brilliant, uh, you know, results behind him, but presumably uh, there's, there's more to him than that, and there's some money involved, and there's uh, a whole deal. So. But there's not. You know, a massive number of English blokes in the sport right now, and so adding another one isn't probably all that bad for the English fans, right? I mean, it's, yeah, Jensen and Lewis, especially <laughs> now that they're not on the same English team. Yes. Uh, there is Gary Paffett as a test driver, and Oliver Turvey, who I've never heard of before, but is the other oh, test... that's so English-sounding. Yeah. <laughs> Oliver Turvey. Oh, I said that poorly. That I don't My English that was, accent... That was very english I used to have a good English accent. It has gone... I don't believe ...down that. the crapper. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay, well, maybe I'll have to bust that out on a future show. Yeah, we'll have to we'll we'll have to dig deep though. But I don't yeah, know where so it went. I mean, it's just yeah, Jensen and Lewis and Max now are the uh, are the Englishmen. I guess with Deresta being you know not English of course, but UK Scottish whatever. Scott, yeah, him being out and uh, yeah, we'll have to see where that goes. But uh, for the moment, uh, second spot there is TBA. Um, but I think you know likely um, uh, likely Petrov. And actually, I saw a story and I can't find anywhere now, so I may have hallucinated it. Because this was very early in the morning when I was watching, when I was looking at this. But um, when the Timo Glock announcement was made that he was no longer, um, you know, no longer a driver there, I did see a, a thing linking him with a drive at Caterham. Um, but that's not gone anywhere. And now he says he's got a three-year deal with BMW. Yeah, GM, so that's, that must not. That's have, when I first heard about I it. I may have imagined that, but you know, in a way that that you know would have been a step up for him if they found the money to do that. But it looks like uh, that was either ill-informed or I completely hallucinated that. Yeah, I don't know. I, it must be tough being at those bottom teams year after year. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Timo Glock's actually just going to have a much better time doing DTM in a factory team that can win races. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think it's true, and I don't know. I don't follow DTM too closely, but BMW just got back into it recently, isn't that right? Like the last couple of years. Yeah, or so. DTM's kind of kind of got wonky because they're they're all like template cars now. Like right. they're all the same bodies, and you just paint them to look different. So that's sort of they're getting more NASCAR. I mean, not same as NASCAR, of course, but. Um, you know, DTM is, I think, for some people, sort of lost its luster in, uh, in terms of just kind of the cool technology involved and all that. It's like all the same suspension or whatever. So, uh, you know, that, but certainly, yeah, racing to win has got to be a lot more fun than racing for 20th right. and, uh, yeah, not ever having any points and, and whatever. So, Which um, leads me brilliantly to the 2012 drivers that are out. We've gone over most of these guys. I just want to shoot through this super, super quick. So Kamui Kobayashi uh, is currently still looking for a drive in Formula 1. He's saying at this point he's focusing mostly on trying to get a Formula 1 drive for 2014. Mm -hmm. um, Paul Deresta, as far as he knows, still thinks he's going to race for Horace India, but obviously that's become uh, a lot less clear. Um, Bruno Senna, Heki Kovalainen, and Vitaly Petrov all seem to be uh, leaning on this Caterham seat as their best chance to come back. Michael Schumacher is indeed retired. No interest in finding another seat as we know it. Timo Glock we just mentioned. Um, Pedro De La Rosa is now the Ferrari test driver, which um, Jim mentioned earlier. And Narain Karthikan is currently looking for an IndyCar seat. Um, 
he's already spoken with Chip Ganassi and uh, Michael Andretti. So, huh. but no, nothing, nothing confirmed. He could hang out with Rubens and Takuma Sato, and part other... of that team, he could suck there too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yikes! <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I, maybe, maybe you'd finally give him a chance to sign. But I mean, he he's been outpaced by every teammate he's had. Yeah. So there you have it. And actually, the, so we, we mentioned the World X24. So that that's happening right now. That's uh, run by Grand Am, which is part of NASCAR. Um, but next year, starting next year, Grand Am and the other American Sports Car Series, American Le Mans Series, will be teaming up. I guess Grand Am is effectively buying ALMS. Grand Am is the purchaser. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that. That could be an interesting dynamic. But what's interesting is it's sort of like the Indy 500 used to be. The, the Rolex 24 is like this who's who of like everyone because it's it's in January. It's it's still late January. Yeah. None of the other race series are going yet. So there's, we have yeah. a lot of NASCAR I mean, drivers. Monaco Grand, the Monaco uh, Rally is the thing I can think of. The, the only other thing that's right. happening around so, the like, same Carlos time. So like Carlos Sainz isn't here. But, <laughs> right. Um, although he was at Dakar even right before that, but. Um, yeah, so we've got we've got IndyCar drivers, we've got NASCAR drivers, we've got uh, several XF1 guys several, um, through, the, through the field at the, at the Rolex 24. So that's you know you wonder like Nelson Piquet Jr. is involved there, and Rubens Barrichello has got a seat, and Giancarlo Fisichella is in. And some older uh, Christian Fittipaldi was there. Uh, Stefan Saracen was there. Mm-hmm. Um, God, of course now we can't think of them all, but the, a bunch of them. Yeah, and uh, so I mean that's one of those things you wonder if if any of these guys maybe end up in sports cars or kind of in, you know if the new. Um, combined American sports car series suddenly like looks a lot more interesting and viable and has some good manufacturers and some good teams and money around it that uh, yeah some of these guys that uh, you know have you know it's like sort of the DTM is sort of this sort of fallback in uh, yeah in, in Europe or whatever you know maybe that will have we well know. we've got a couple of marquee events you know uh, the 24 hours of Daytona you know maybe it's not the most brilliant racetrack in the world but it's a cool event for sure and being up on the banked oval definitely has some cachet to it right and it's the big 24 hours. I mean, because otherwise it's 12 hours Sebring. Which is a great event. Great right. event. And then in Petit Le Mans um, right. in, in Rhode Atlanta. But, you know, but for an actual 24-hour race, uh, you know, it's that's sort of it for... I mean, there's 25 hours of Thunder Hill, but that's not really professional. No, that's one. not... Yeah, that's yeah. not the same. Petit Le Mans, I don't think it's... Because I really love Rhode Atlanta. I think that's a fantastic racetrack. Yeah. And it deserves to be one of the premier top tracks on people's minds. It's, it's brilliant. There's great elevation change. There's good speed. Um, I had a pole position there. That's never a bad thing. Uh, I mean, there's that's a great, great racetrack, and right. it's got some cool dynamic stuff to it. Some fast stuff that really you really have to suck it up and and get through them quickly. So uh, I'm hopeful in that sense that um, that the two combining instead of competing against each other, which they didn't. It wasn't as contentious of a competition as it was when Champ Car IndyCar were split up. But they definitely were competing for similar things, obviously. Yeah. And um, to have them combined is a good thing. I am still nervous about the fact that Grand Am is the one taking over ALMS and not the other way around. Um, it's inevitable the way it was set up that that would be the most likely scenario. But, you know, just Grand Am is, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and the Daytona prototype cars are nowhere near as cool as LMP1 cars. Right. Um, but, you know, if they're more sustainable and it's a more interesting grid, I mean, for a while in ALMS we had one car in LMP1. Like, you know, Audis used to be there, and that was cool. Um, then they haven't been there recently. So then it's like, it's kind of a joke when, like, every, you know, it's like it's like for a while at Le Mans when, like, the Corvettes were the only GT1 cars. Right. Like, oh, we won we won our class eight years in a row. It's like, well, because you were the only cars. There was, like, one other privateer guy in an Aston Martin. But, you know, so, yeah, would it be cooler to have cooler cars? Yes. But is it more interesting to have 14 cars in the in a class rather than one or two? Then, you know, it's a, sort of a reality check for everyone's budgets and everything. But, yeah, and both series will be running this year at the Circuit of the Americas. And then next year, presumably, they'll just have their one combined event. But, um, yeah, it should be kind of interesting. Um, they've already started the 
kind of balancing testing and these kind of things to sort of try to match, you know, how do we make these classes line up with all the different classes in ALMS and Grand Am and what makes sense to, to keep them together. Um, so that should be interesting. And, um, you know, hopefully all, you know, all these things that, uh, that make, uh, make these things interesting um, for the fan perspective and all that in terms of the classes all making sense and the, some manufacturer interest. I mean, it's great to see some of these big heavy hitters from, uh, from Le Mans um, to come over here. I mean, seeing the, the C7R Corvettes, you know, when those come out or the C6s from this year and, and all the, you know, the, the Le Mans Corvettes, let alone Audi prototypes, Peugeots, Porsche RS Spiders, you know, to see those cars, like, that's always great fun. So to have those kind of things uh, as, uh, you know, like the Detroit Grand Prix this year will be American Le Mans series and the middle of those cars coming here. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's sort of our, our exposure to these things in real world. And uh, that's, you know, all should be very uh, just should all be good going forward. And then maybe where some of these guys end up, I guess is how we got on this tangent. <laughs> yes. And uh, for us, what's going on with us? Are we going to try to get another show before the beginning of the season? Maybe. I don't know. I've actually been really busy this off season. Mostly it's been growing this amazing beard that I now have. <laughs> it's, quite, <laughs> um, it's quite good. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, if I can find some time in my, in my beard growing schedule to do that, um, but also, actually, you know, so another show, I don't know, because it's, we now, I just had the page open, uh, like, 44 days, I think, until uh, until Australia. Yes. Um, so, you know, that's, in a way, sounds like a long time, but in a way, is not a long time. Right. Um, so I don't want to promise anything. Um, we, we've talked a lot this past year about um, coverage of F1. It's sort of a meta topic to talk about, because we've, our main, we are, in a way, we are coverage of, of Formula One. Um, but Trademark. It's been, yeah, registered trademark, <coughs> Formula One Group International. Um, but, yeah, you know, there's partly because there's this whole BBC versus Sky deal in the UK, um, where, of course, we have a lot of UK listeners, and, uh, and that's, that's, we've heard a lot of feedback on that, and, and partly because, you know, comparing that to the US coverage, which has been Speed Channel, but that will change for us next year or this NBC year. NBC Sports. It's all going to be NBC Sports. Uh, some of that stuff has already happened. Like, all the, uh, the Dakar coverage uh, on the rally was on NBC Sports Network, um, and so that was uh, our, our man, Ozzy Lee Diffie, uh, was commentating for that. And normally we'd see Lee Diffie in part of the Rolex 24 coverage, but that's still on speed. So now we're, we're sort of, you know, we're already starting seeing some of those things. Of course, we haven't had any F1 coverage yet. But um, what really struck me about this whole thing was I watched in the, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, the 24 Hours of Dubai, um, where, as you remember, at 2010, I, was, I took part in that, not driving, of course. But right, as diesel a, BMW. Right, a 120D, and we were class victors. I was just technical support doing some video equipment and all that. Um, which, you know, as everyone knows, makes a difference. Really, it does <laughs> when it comes down to it. It's, it's how good your in-car video and data is. Well, the data is, a, is an important part. Um, but so I've, I've just kind of, I kind of like that race. But also, you know, it's, it's like middle of January. We haven't had any real races for a long time. And, uh, and it's just sort of like, you know, I, I, I dig watching these 24-hour races. So that series, the series that runs it is the 24-hour series. That's their name. Um, and they've got a couple of events. They're only like five or six events, and a couple of them are 12-hour races. But... Um, they, I feel like, nailed event coverage, okay? They don't have any TV deal in the U.S. because there's not that many people that are going to tune in to whatever network to watch it live. But I, I wonder if that actually has made their coverage better. So what the, their deal is, you just go to, to you know, 24hseries.com is their website, but you go to live.24hseries.com, and that's like their live portal for event stuff. So right on that page, they've got a streaming, kind of like the live timing where it's like, here's what's happening. Like here, this lap, someone went into the pits, this lap, somebody spawned, new fastest lap from this guy, kind of your text updates. You've got live streaming video you can play from right there, um, which has commentary from the Radio Le Mans guys. So proper commentary. That'd be like, you know, if F1.com, if you could go there and get like, you know, BBC Five Live, yeah, like sure, sure. proper commentary, not some sort of, you know, really kind of watered down track commentary or whatever. Um, 
They have an iPad app that does almost all the same things. You can get the live timing and scoring and track positioning like you get with the $50 iPad app or whatever. Um, but you, all that stuff is free with streaming video. So it was like, you know, just it was the middle of the night. I woke up um, and, and started watching this. Um, I was awake for other reasons, but um, had uh, just, you know, just started watching this. I just had like the iPad going, send, you know, putting t- putting video on the Apple TV and like kind of had this whole thing. I was just like, this is really nice because I don't have to worry about, you know, I didn't have to set a TiVo to do this. This was all doing it live. But none of this had commercials, by the way. It was just like, I don't know how it's, you know, once I guess... Was there ads streaming on the site or something like that? I mean, um, they... I mean, there's probably banner ads on the site, but it was like it was like an ad for the company providing the streaming service. It was like, hey, this live track positioning is brought to you by such and such German company that does it. But it was like, because there weren't so many people involved trying to eke so many dollars out of it and like millions of dollars in TV deals and whatever, like just the experience of watching it was great. And the streaming video itself was like had like a dvr thing where i could so i could pause it and replay it and go back and watch from whatever so if i wanted to take a break i could just pause it go do whatever come back and then pick up from there or go back to live and then of course you know combine that with like a live twitter feed using the you know hashtag 24 dubai whatever it was like i was like this is a beautiful race viewing experience and that kind of coverage and i'm i'm still trying to be optimistic about nbc sports and the way that's going to work but i feel like with just the way the money is involved and how much money everyone is trying to eke out of out of every aspect. I mean, how much money Bernie and, and, and crew are trying to eke out of every aspect of it. I just would be amazed if we could get to that point. Even if we could pay for it, like you know these NHL deals where you can buy and watch all the hockey games or you know right. b- baseball, all these different ones. Like even if there were a way, I could just say, hey, I want to pay the money. I want to get all my practices and quality and everything just live streaming with good commentary. Maybe be able to choose the commentary if I want to if I want to hear BBC stuff or I want to hear the American guys or I want to hear Five Live or whatever. Um, let alone like DVRing it, I was like, I was like, this is how it should be. Like these guys are nailing it, and it's this random series that very few people even watch. So, anyway, I just wanted partly as a shout out to that, but like, that's how that's how it should be done. And I'm still hopeful that NBC Sports, like with their live streaming and stuff that they've sort of promised, that it'll come out somewhat like that. But when every when every stream has to have ads in it, and everybody has to be able to count who's watching it, and you can't pirate it, and blah blah blah, it just all gets bogged down and just gets gets lost in the in the middle, and it's just not as good of an experience. Um, now, uh, we're not going to do a full-on uh, listener feedback, um, I don't believe, because of uh, the type of show this is. But um, we did get some emails that were response to episode 125, which was a long time ago, actually, which, you know, maybe we're a tiny bit ashamed to say, but hey, it is what it is. Um, so I wanted to say um, uh, a big thank you to uh, Gustav, um, I'm probably saying that wrong, Gustav Barrichello, who sent us pictures from Brazil. That was very, very cool to see a few of those. Um, Gustavo. Gustavo. There's okay. an O at the end of his name. Yes. There, and I an think o. we know how to say Barrichello, assuming it's pronounced the same way as <laughs> perhaps, you know, second cousin or whatever, Rubens Barrichello. And um, there were a couple of comments um, about the, um, the incident, uh, what was going on with Vettel and his early incidents. Remember, Vettel had that incident with Senna. Early in Brazilian Grand Prix, and it's like, wait, yeah, that was pretty Brazilian nasty. Grand Prix? That was a crazy race. That was a crazy race. That happened. Yeah. So thank you to, for John for commenting on that, and uh, Paul Austin. I don't know if you remember, he was the one that built that um, quote unquote objective um, spreadsheet um, about the thing, and you know he's, you know he's been he's been he was, totally cool about it, saying, hey, you know I get it, it's not perfect, and he said, but I'm just trying to come up with a way to, and he well he went on and continued to run his little experiment throughout the end of the year and um, sent it along. And, um, you know, Pastor was the highest scoring on his 
you know, on his causing crashes list. Although it did tighten up quite a bit. He wasn't quite as wide as spread as it was. But it was very cool for him to continue that. You know, uh, Jim, even more so than me, but both of us are total data nerds. And uh, it's cool to see that kind of... I would say me more so than, like, most of the population Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me more so than many, many people. You more so than me, probably by a good good factor. I can Um, tell you what that factor is because I'm just that kind of guy. I'm I'm working on that data right now. That's right. And uh, Lori Jordan um, sent us a very nice email uh, thanking us on episode 125 and just kind of going breaking down... um, where we were wrong, where we were right, yeah. and, uh, and going on, on to it from there. And, yeah, I mean, I want to – I think we may not have another show in between now and uh, the start of the season, but um, try to, uh, you know, really get our, our whole plans figured out for some of these blog post updates and posting some photos and, and some of these more interactive stuff. Cause yeah, we're, we're going to try to definitely make the website itself more – yeah. More of a destination. We were kind of derailed by this whole name change deal and, oh, we have to change around our website and how are we going to do that and then incorporating that with our other front of the cars idea. So we're starting to kind of get our handles uh, get our handles on that. Yes, our handles are now firmly in place on what front of the cars is. And uh, so we're, we're trying to yeah, move forward and uh, you know, sort of pick a direction and, and go with it. So um, a lot of these things, I think, we, you will end up um, finding more content on the website, more than just this show. And uh, you can uh, you know stay stay tuned to all the usual spots to uh, to keep up with that. And if anyone else out there is uh, you know watching these various events live, um, you know big other other races other than F1, um, you know feel free to just fire up Twitter and just you know we're probably watching you know one or both of us and uh, you know tweeting at us and whatever. It's always uh, always part of the fun and uh, sort of that's the, the new way to to watch a race or even you know for other TV shows. People are doing this now too for American Idol and all this stuff. It's all you know the sort of the live Twitter commentary is kind of an interesting. Uh, trend that's just sort of over the last year really come into its own, and I think it's it's a big part of the fun. So there'll be, a, I'm sure, plenty to talk about with the car launches. Uh, we still haven't seen uh, we haven't seen any of the new cars. Um, of course, they uh, and some 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 people are saying, oh, so, you know, say goodbye to all the stepped noses. But I'm not sure. I think there may be a couple of cars that actually still run stepped noses because it's an option to fit that modesty panel, um, but not required. And there may be some people that say, nope, this is the best way we want to design our car. It could still be ugly. Um, like Red Bull had that little vent up front and, you know, whatever, kind of these different things. So right, um, right, right. we'll see if maybe these cars will all be beautiful. Maybe they'll be even more awkward in weird, uh, weird areas. I can't imagine that like a Ferrari, the 2013 Ferrari could be uglier than the 2012 Ferrari, but who knows? Um, every time I see that car in, you know, normal pictures like outside of a race environment where it's surrounded by other weird-looking cars, it's just like, that is an awkward-looking vehicle. Well, it was at the Detroit Auto Show as well, yeah. and I saw it in person. I'm like, oh, Because it was God, a, it it was a not... Ferrari before that, and they posted a bunch of pictures. like, oh, look at this Formula One machine. And, like, in a way, we've talked about it. It's, like, it's a race car. It doesn't really matter what it looks like. But you sort of, I've, in that point, sort of forgotten about, you know, the life of a race car, of the life of a Formula One car after it's an F1 car. And it's, yeah, going, it's at auto shows and it's, you know, in museums and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, yeah, that it is really a shame that it is such an awkward looking car. Right. So, exactly right. So hopefully, yeah, we've got beautiful cars to look forward to. Hopefully they're all fast and reliable and we just have really cool racing for this year. And, uh, and then into next year, we'll have all the new technical fun stuff with, uh, with turbo V6s and new curs and all kinds of interesting things. But or ERs, I guess it's being called now, ERS, because uh, it's just energy recovery, not just kinetic. Oh. Thermal ooh. energy as well being recovered now. So ers and ders combining to be turt now whatever um it'll be good though so keep in touch with us on on funwithcars.com 
Um, also, if you're hearing this, I guess you also have figured out that uh, our F1Show.com, the old podcast feed, is no longer working. Um, for, for the time being, if you go to F1Show.com, it still does punt, punt to our website. But um, please do update your stuff so that you continue to hear us uh, now and in the future, uh, because eventually that will stop working, and uh, we want to make sure that we don't lose you because of that. So um, keep in touch with us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash fwcars, or on Twitter as well. You can, there's links everywhere you can find it. And send us email. <laughs> I like that. Well, if you want to find us, you can find it. If, you, if you're listening to us, then clearly you know how to find us. And um, if you want to send us an email, feedback at funwithcars.com is a brilliant way to send us email. Oh, absolutely. But I think that's it. We did it, right? We did it. So, uh, yeah, until freaking Melbourne, probably. Melbourne or some other time. You but say, definitely you Melbourne. You say Melbourne weird, too. Melbourne. Well, right. Well, you I mean, just, yes, why don't you talk? Yes, there's a U in there, but that's just awkward. What do you say? Melbourne. That's it. Yep. That was it. <laughs> that's just a real long R. It's, it's Melbourne. You got to roll the R. It's, it's different. That's okay. Anyway, I am Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. Happy New Year, everybody.